Hello, is this thing on? Welcome back to another episode of Energy 101. I'm Sydney. We are here with Jules. I'm back. Our fashion expert is back. <laughs> Leaving for Arizona this weekend, but we, we caught her before she heads out. <laughs> um, today, we are here with Vicki Knott from Crux. Hi. Vicki's missing <laughs> us from San Francisco. She was here for some meetings, so we snagged her uh, for an episode. So I know on one episode, we've already talked about, in terms of oil and gas, the difference mm -hmm. between upstream, midstream, and downstream. Vicki, you work in midstream, mm -hmm. and that is what we're going to talk about today. So um, I think to kick us off, let's talk about Crux and how you got into the industry. Yeah, so got in because I worked in pulp and paper and just really liked control systems. Mm -hmm. And um, graduating in, I think I was graduating like 2011 and it wasn't exactly a hot time for mm -hmm. pulp and paper. Mm -hmm. Everybody was like, oh yay, plastic is recyclable, which we all know is a little more complex than mm -hmm. that nowadays. Paper is actually a very sustainable resource. Anyway, so at the time, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to go to oil and gas. Like, that seems to be, like, the best thing to do. So I went into um, – I started working for uh, the company that has the Keystone Pipeline. So I trained as a control room operator there, um, commissioned valves in the field. Um, so big 24-inch valves, like, the size of our heads are bigger. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I came to understand that the way that we operate uh, pipelines, which is effectively midstream, is through um, procedures, checklists, and rules of thumb in a central control room with a person. Think of like a pilot in a cockpit. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're actually operating it. And it's like, okay, well, this person's doing this. And sure, it's digital as in they're pushing buttons like on their phone, but it's not on the phone. It's on a big screen. But like they're pushing these buttons but they still have to use paper procedures to do it, right? Like they're mm -hmm. not, there's no automated smartness around. Mm -hmm. You can't tell Alexa to turn on the lights. Right. Like it doesn't work that way. So we set out to start automating that for control room operators because control room operator fatigue is the leading cause of safety and environmental incidents in the industry. Wow. Yeah, and so people don't know that. So it's like, okay, well, if we can mitigate their workload, make their lives easier, we can really make a big impact. On top of that, you know, as we divest from oil and gas over time, it's going to take time. Um, you know, we need to make our existing assets as efficient as possible, mm -hmm. also from like from an energy transition standpoint and just mm -hmm. from like the right thing to do. And so the more throughput you can get through existing assets, the better. Um, automating your control room operators workload actually straight up increases the utilization of your midstream pipeline assets. So more revenue and more throughput. More revenue, efficiency. that's the magic word. Oh, profit, actually. We love that word. <laughs> we love profit better. Yeah, even better. So yes, I hope that was a not too technical. Deep dive, but I would love to, like, is there any of that that I should elaborate on for the folks who would like to learn more about, like, what all those things mean? So when you say, like, a control room operator, are you, yeah. like, on, um, like, a rig site? Like, what? So it's in, like, an actual central control room. So, like, um, you know, for example, the one of the biggest pipeline companies in Canada, mm -hmm. their central control room that operates, I believe, hundreds of thousands of kilometers or miles of pipeline. Um, they have a control room in Edmonton and they're operating okay. all of those pipelines from one place in Edmonton. And so when they send a command on that screen, mm -hmm. it will mm -hmm. operate a valve in Texas. Oh, um, wow. So really, really cool. So you can think of it a little bit too like um, like air traffic control, but yeah. with actual control, right? <laughs> right. So so that's kind that's of a neat cool. thing. And it's someone, and there's people that work in shifts. So they're there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, making sure these assets are running to keep our economy going, essentially. Right, right. So, yeah. <laughs> and so I know, let's go back, the basics midstream. Yeah. Where is Where does that fall? Yes. In the, in the, the timeline I and, guess you and should the say supply of chain. oil and the supply chain yeah yeah so so upstream is where you're like you know you've got all your your rigs and you're drilling mm -hmm. and you're pumping oil with all your pump jacks and stuff 
And then it connects into gathering pipeline systems, which are midstream, which then goes into gas plants for separation of your gas and your oil um, midstream, mm -hmm. then goes into transmission pipelines midstream, <laughs> which yeah. then ends up in like terminals that will end up in refineries or at, um, you know, shipping places and things like that. And that's your downstream. And then downstream would also include like your petrochemicals to make right. your plastics and things. Yeah. So it's Got like it. all the stuff in between as aptly called midstream. It's everything in between upstream and downstream. <laughs> it's midstream. It's midstream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally. So if you're not upstream and you're not downstream, you're midstream. There's, there's midstream. no other option. Exactly. Love it. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit more about, I loved what you said about control room operators from a safety perspective, mm -hmm. their fatigue is causing the most issues? Yeah. Problems? Like um, almost every major leak that's happened on an oil pipeline was control room operator error. Oh. Yeah. Could you imagine being that person? Is it like, like, hum like it's like human <sighs> error? Human error. Yeah. So oh, like fatigue, okay. um, like fatigue is essentially like the way that it's defined by FIMSA, so like the regulator in the mm -hmm. US, mm -hmm. is it's defined by like um, long periods of inactivity followed by very short bursts of extreme, short bursts of extreme activity. And it gets like very exhausting on the brain. Yeah. Like, you know, you guys can imagine that when you have like something you really need to get done mm -hmm. and you're like hyper-focused for like an hour, then you need a nap, right? right? Or you start like zoning out. You can't like focus on it anymore. So that is direct, like that fatigue mm -hmm. directly leads to human error, right? So anything that we can do to reduce the, do to reduce their workload or take away the human execution of these things mm -hmm. um, will increase the safety. So is that where essentially like robots are coming in? Yeah. So we actually call our product PipeBot. Oh, <laughs> PipeBot, cool. isn't it cute? That is cute. I was gonna say, it sounds really cute. <laughs> I know, <laughs> and it's very like a sticky name because we have customers who didn't don't even know our like our actual company name. Mm -hmm. They're just like. Oh, you guys are Pipebot. I'm like, sure. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah. So it's it's like they're like virtual robots, not like real robots, right? Right. Like there's mm -hmm. not like a, a humanoid robot pushing buttons <laughs> at the console. Like that's not what's happening. But it's it's essentially like a software program that uses control systems to um, predict what the set points, you know, the execution of the mm -hmm. button pushing should be, and does it on their behalf. And yes, we call it Pipebot. Pipebot. Wow. Yeah. So. What's a typical shift like for someone, a human working in yeah. the control room? Like where that fatigue, like where does that come into play? Yeah. What so, are those conditions like, I should say? Yeah. Conditions are good. And like, um, so yeah, so it's like, um, you know, you come in, you get in at 6 a.m. Usually shift starts at like 6.30 or 7. Mm -hmm. Again, depends on the company. Mm -hmm. um, so you come in, you know, you do shift handoff with mm -hmm. whoever was working that specific console before you. And the console would be like, it's like your desk with your like nine screens, mm -hmm. right? Like think mm -hmm. like NASA. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and your person is sitting there. So you're switching, you're switching off with them. It takes like a half an hour or more to like, okay, what were the things that happened? What's oh, your yeah. logs? Right. Like, mm -hmm. let me see your logs. What did you log for activity last night? What are your pump orders? So it's like, okay, so what batches need to be shipped to what locations from mm -hmm. oil scheduling based from the trading teams? And then like, okay, what's happening right now on the screens? So you do that handoff and then you sit. And so say you're operating like a big mainline pipeline. So let's say it's a Keystone line since I know it very well. Um, you know, you're you're having to deliver batches of product, mm -hmm. which are like batches of crude oil. And there'd be like heavies and lights and like sours and sweets. And they come in like 100,000 barrel batches. So you're essentially sitting there managing this like giant garden hose as it pushes peanut butter followed by oil followed by water. And you have to manage all of the um, pump stations to manage how those things move throughout the line all day long. So like, so if you think of it, of like, 
if peanut butter is going through the line, it needs more energy to push it, right? Because mm -hmm. it's, it's a higher viscosity. So you have to like up your pumps and like get things moving harder. But then it's starting to squish your oil, your like, your like cooking oil types, type viscosity stuff. So right. how do you manage that in terms of like not too much mixing? So your control arm operator is constantly like turning gears, trying to keep this thing running as optimally as possible. At the same time, they're getting calls from the field saying, hey, mm -hmm. I've got this call out. You know, this farmer wants to, to dig in this area. Like, is this safe? Like, what's going on here? Or you'll get like, you know, someone calling, I need to take this pump out for, for maintenance. Like, can you bring the line down? On top of that, they'll have typically your VPs coming through, doing tours of the control room of like, hey, look at this shiny Jeez. control room. And how hard all of our amazing people are working. And like, really, as a control room. And they're all like dying on the inside. They're all dying on the inside. <laughs> Not always, of course. And people like, people do love their jobs and like, and they're for fantastic sure. at it. But like kind of like the point that you suggested earlier, like, you know, if you were that person that made that mistake, like you're going to beat yourself up over it. Right. And that's not fair. It's like, mm -hmm. how can we set those folks who are literally running our energy infrastructure? How can we set them up for success and not mm -hmm. put them in those positions? Right. Well, as you are going through all of that, the only thing I could think of is that should be automated. Like, yeah. why is all of those all of those manual processes being done by one person who's responsible for manually doing all of it? It just seems like a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. So I like to equate it to of like think back in the day when like pilots didn't have autopilot software and they're just like hanging on. Right. Gosh, for like yeah. 12 hours straight. It's like that. That's also terrifying for anyone on the plane. Yeah. You and wouldn't want to get in a plane. No. With a mm -mm. pilot without flying without autopilot software. That seems no. great. That's a like crazy town. What if today? they fall yeah. asleep? What if they sneeze yeah. and like something happens? Exactly. So I know like there's a lot of talk around just like, oh, robots are going to take over the workforce. Mm -hmm. Is that a big um, thing? Like in what you guys are doing with Pipebot, like are people freaking out? Like, oh my gosh, they're... So you'll laugh at this one. When we talk to like control room operators, they're mm -hmm. like, this is awesome. We need this. Mm -hmm. Really? Because they're like, they know their jobs. Like you need a person there yeah. to operate this stuff. They're just like, how can we make it easier? easier and they're like right. us. Like they understand, like, you know, a lot of them are actually millennials. So like, it's like, okay, my phone can do this and Alexa can do this. Why can't this right. piece of equipment that I work mm -hmm. at every day, do this. Um, but it's funny when you talk to a lot of engineers mm -hmm. in in the oil and gas companies, the mystery companies, the engineers are like, they'll say that. They're like, the control room operators are going to hate it. And I'm like, when's the last time you talked to a control room operator? Yeah. They do not hate this. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. yeah, so there's, it's actually like, I can see where people would assume that. Mm -hmm. But I think in this specific case, like the workload is so much and it's such high stakes that it's it's not the case. Right, it's just making it more efficient. Yeah. And, like, it's not going to get rid of anyone's job. Right. It's right. just making it easier. We still need pilots and planes. Exactly. I was just going to say, what's the what's the the line in the sand yeah. for that? How far it goes to the point where you do still need a human? There. I think, And I think it's a safety thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if mm -hmm. like if it's something that's critical, like a plane, like, you don't want to get in the plane without the software, but you don't want to get in the plane without the pilot. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, you know, energy infrastructure is so critical, like, removing right. explosive things. Mm -hmm. And it is a safety issue, like, for human lives if it's not done correctly. So I think you need both, right? Absolutely. Like, it's like you need the backup. Right, because in my mind on a plane, autopilot goes out. You got yeah. a person. pilot, right. Yeah. For some reason, pipe bot is down. I mean, as we know, energy infrastructure could be a power outage, could be mm -hmm. God knows what. You still need someone there that knows how to. Knows what's going on. Knows what's going right. on, can manually jump in and get the rest of it done. Exactly. So, like, I think of it the same way. Yeah. I hope that yeah. answers that question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Anything else? Um, not so much on the midstream front. What else do you want to, anything else you guys are doing that you want to? Um, chit chat on we can like intro a question to it okay yeah for people that this is maybe getting a little political but like 
pipelines. Mm-hmm. People are very against them. Yeah. As someone that doesn't know a whole lot about it, why? Like, why? I, like, I think, I think it's like the like part of the reason why you guys started this podcast mm-hmm. is like the industry just has such a bad rap mm-hmm. because like nobody's ever focused on PR mm-hmm. in the industry, mm-hmm. right? And so I think it's just like you know, pipelines just like they're ugly. Yeah, right? yeah. But like what people don't know is like under U.S. soils, 2.4 million miles of pipeline. Mm-hmm. Like the entire economy runs off of this. Mm-hmm. And like you can't just shut it all off. Yeah, just no, shut what, it What are we going to do? Yeah, exactly. What are we going to do? And mm-hmm. so I think it's like I think it's a lot of just like bad press over the years. Mm-hmm. But if you actually look at like, you know, the whatever unit equivalent would make sense, like a pipeline is the safest, most cost effective, yeah. most mm-hmm. energy efficient way to move energy. Right. Um, I guess people just don't think of moving oil as energy. Maybe they just think of electricity as moving energy, mm-hmm. but the oil makes the electricity in a lot of cases. So, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I was gonna. Uh, I was gonna ask that because when before we started the podcast, way back when, kind of it led to the idea of starting it. We had a little energy one-on-one session with Colin, mm-hmm. and he mentioned the pipeline and things. And I said, and I brought up Jules' point, I kind of said, this seems way safer than the alternative. So why do people dislike them so much? Mm Because the alternative of moving that oil is what? Like tankers? Trains. Which can crash, spill, wreck. Trains are like trains. I think there's like, I haven't seen the numbers, but like, I know that like train explosions are are way more common Mm -hmm. than pipeline. Especially right. oil pipeline, because mm-hmm. like an oil pipeline is a leak, yes, and that's horrific and it should never happen. But it doesn't like an oil pipeline doesn't explode. Right. Yeah. Gas right. pipelines do, and that yeah. has happened. But oil pipelines don't explode. <clears throat> but oil train cars will. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And those yeah. are the things that aren't being talked about. I remember mm-hmm. I guess I think it was with the Keystone pipeline. And that's all the to Jules's point getting political. That's a big mm-hmm. hot topic for a lot of elections. And totally. I feel like you never hear the quote unquote upside to yeah. the pipeline and why it's still better than the alternatives. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's like, I think even the positioning around some of the upside that like the companies themselves try to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. try to position, like they're not, they're not winning hearts and minds. They're just saying like, it'll create jobs. And it's like, but that doesn't win hearts and minds. Right. right? And so like, how do you actually like use some actual like sales tactics mm-hmm. and marketing tactics and like convince people with emotion as opposed to like logic because that's not working. Right. 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 And I feel like so many times with things like oil and energy and, you know, just other things, it's always kind of the lesser of two two evils. So someone convincing them that it's better than the alternatives. It's not a perfect solution. Yeah. But it is the best solution for what we've got. Yeah. And that's it at the end of the day. For right now. For right now, that's what we're working with. Yeah, and like, and also like, it's like that philosophy that incremental changes can add up to massive changes, right? Like, right. there is no silver bullet for any of this, mm-hmm. and we have to stop pretending that there is. And so, like, yeah, using a pipeline now rather than rail is better. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that that's what we want to do forever? No. no. But like for now, like that's fantastic. And then once we have that established, then what else can we do? Yeah, and I think we keep evolving. Yeah, evolve or die. Exactly. And I think that's what a lot of people who are against oil and gas in the traditional yeah. sense are very much looking for a solution that to doesn't point, exist to, that doesn't mm-hmm. exist right now and yeah. they're looking for something to happen tomorrow like you were yeah. we were talking before we hit record so we'll backtrack a little bit yeah. about how there are some people that think that we can just stop using oil 
and gas right now, tomorrow. We're just yeah. going to stop and the world's just going to keep moving. Moving. And moving. It's not yeah. the case. And we'll just deal with the fallout. And it's yeah. like, yeah, right. I don't. I don't think anyone understands what they'd even be signing up for. Absolutely right. not. Like, There's no way. It would be chaos. <laughs> I don't oh, even yeah. want to imagine a world without it. Yeah. So. Well, like even fashion, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. fashion doesn't exist without right. it. Right? It's exactly. Which most people in the fashion industry probably don't realize. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely our biggest, one of our biggest mm-hmm. goals at DW is, is providing a platform for companies to be able to tell their story better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and also why we started this podcast. So, yeah. Yeah. I like the AirPods too, because I need absolutely, I need a new pair for Christmas. I was just telling my family about yes. it. And um, the plastic. Yep. Mm-hmm. So many things, everything yeah. in this room, this, the phone, all of the this mics, equipment, all the equipment. Yeah. And not just what the material itself, mm-hmm. but the energy required to manufacture the material mm-hmm. that right. gets forgotten as well. It does get forgotten. I feel like a lot of electric vehicle owners forget that. Yeah. That so many charging stations that they're not solar are plugged into mm-hmm. traditional yeah, like your electric your, outlets. Your and your and which is probably depending on the geolocation mm-hmm. is supplied by your gas mm-hmm. cogen plant, which is natural gas, which is coming from a pipeline. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's, it's like, all connected. It's all connected. Yeah. And then the electrification, like, you know, the grid needs to be expanded and that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. But another thing that people forget too is the line losses in transmission lines. Right. So like, so if you're like and I don't know the math behind this and I'd have to like look it up. But like if you're long haul transporting electricity, your mm-hmm. actual losses might be such that it doesn't make any sense to move that much electricity via like long haul lines. And mm-hmm. you might actually want it might be more energy efficient to have a gas power plant closer to those locations and a gas pipeline to it. Right. Like people don't think about that. Either. Yeah. Yeah. So and then that's midstream. <laughs> and that's also midstream. <laughs> back back to why we're back here. Back to midstream. <laughs> back to midstream. I love it. We love midstream. It's uh, it's great. But yeah, like and then you know you gas up at your your seventy six gas station that came mm-hmm. from midstream, right? Mm-hmm. Which also probably is an electric charging station, as it should. Mm-hmm. It probably does. I feel mm-hmm. like they're getting in. We're actually recording another episode tomorrow um, with blanking on the name. We're gonna let me look. We'll edit it in. Yeah. I don't want to say it wrong. It's 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 a nup or a noop. We don't know. Yes, it is him. I make but sure I, I pronounce not it exactly which electric charging. Yes, very cool. Yes. yes. Another thing I was just imagining, you know, was oh, if our, we didn't have our phones, like our clothes either. Like just imagine a world where we didn't have clothes or phones. Yeah, and everyone's uh, just walking charging. around. That's what it is. oh, very cool. Yeah. Yep. So tomorrow we're yep. recording another Energy One One episode with Pangea Charging, Fine. and their kind of mission is to get more charging stations around. We just had our Fuse conference in Edo, and so he emailed after, and he was like, "Hey, do you guys know who I can reach out to in the Edo area that can kind of be in charge of getting more electric charging stations out there?" Fine. So that's kind of his his mission in life, and it's accessibility. And yep. mm-hmm. I like what you, I liked what you said about a little bit goes a long way, and it's the small changes that will eventually get us to where yeah most of right. the world wants to be. Exactly. So like you know, a few more charging stations makes a difference, mm-hmm. right? Like because then it like will start changing such that okay, right. well we maybe do need to beef up the grid in this area, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But then there's time to do it, and it can mm-hmm. be done incrementally, and it can actually be done right Right. (laughs) exactly most importantly it can actually get done yes exactly and like yeah and like you know then when you guys had the freeze right like god i was just thinking about that because it was wild it's yeah you know 
almost December, January, February. That's when it happened. Yeah. So let's hope that um, yeah. that does not happen again. Does not happen again, right? So, so yeah, so I think like that's probably it for midstream. So hopefully that like explained enough with enough analogies that people could like follow, yeah. I think, um, yeah. what, what midstream is. But um, another way to think of it too is like plumbing of the world. Yeah. Right? Because mm-hmm. people don't really realize it. But, like, you know, there's sewer systems in cities, but there's also, mm-hmm. like, gas and oil systems right. in cities and the world. Right. So, right. It's got to come from somewhere. Yeah. Or I also like to think of it sometimes, of like, if you look at the world as, like, as, like, like veins and arteries, that's another thing. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's just kind of making it this big ecosystem. But it's – some people will not like that I use that word ecosystem. But it still is a word. Is <laughs> I mean, but right? to that exact point, could you imagine just – Overnight flipping a switch and shutting it all off. Yeah. It's like, well, we all just. And yeah. The chaos ensues. <laughs> yeah. Chaos ensues. <laughs> exactly. Could be an interesting plot for like a movie. I was though. just thinking that, like a Netflix movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We like, should. New idea. Sponsored by, produced by Digital Wildcatters. Yes. Yeah. What yeah. happens. Documentary we, style, like full yes, on. Yes. What happens if we turn off That's everything. That's a good idea. Everything. That would be fun. Nobody steal it. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually uh, trademarked and copyrighted right now. Hey, you guys own this content, so yes. We own it. (laughs) You heard it here first. You did hear it here first. So we're going to move into rapid fire. Okay, ready? Ready. Ready. All right, what's the number one misconception about the energy industry? Ooh. um, I think what I would think that the number one misconception is, is like folks just assuming that all oil and gas companies are like these profit-sucking devils. Mm -hmm. Not understanding that like the market actually sets the prices and when they're making good profits, it has nothing to do with them. It just has to do with like supply and demand of commodities. I love that answer. Yeah. Economics 101. It's just economics 101. Like like Exxon's not like sucking like profits out of people, out of consumers. Mm -hmm. That's not at all what's happening. Like, you know, it's like, and then you could look at like a company like Apple could bring their prices down quite a bit, but they don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They absolutely don't. They keep going up. They keep going up, and they actually have price control, whereas oil and gas companies do not have price control. Mm-hmm. So that's probably, I would think, the biggest misconception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number two, why should I care about the energy industry? Ooh, um, I think we covered that a lot today. Yeah, we did. And that has to do with like everything you're wearing, everything you're doing mm-hmm. requires energy. And then, like you know, also too, like I love. I love like also doing like the thought exercise of like people in developing nations, like who are we to say in like first world countries that they can't have access to their own like drilling oil and gas to Mm -hmm. accelerate their own economies. Like who the hell are we to say that? Right. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. so that's another one that kind of tugs on my heartstrings a little bit of like, yeah, why should someone be burning coal in their kitchen when they could have electricity powered by like a natural gas station, natural gas generating station to like help them live better and like improve their quality of life. Like just who are we to say that they can't have that? Exactly. We took a trip to Costa Rica as a team in May and there's, it's still very underdeveloped in a lot of Mm -hmm. the rural kind of jungle areas. And as we were driving around and hiking and doing all those things, it was interesting. I think to us as a team, just it kind of hit home. Yeah, it did. Yeah. How many people still do not have access to Clean, Ener- reliable energy. Clean, reliable energy in the way that we mm-hmm. think about it here because yeah. it is such a part of our everyday lives. Exactly. And so, yeah, so then who are we to say that other nations can't have that? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like, that's not cool. It's right. not cool at all. <laughs> I wouldn't like that if I was living there. No. no. Like, and, but then then you, like, villainize those countries right. for being, like, all pro-oil and gas, but it's like. They want it. 
yeah. they see what we have and it makes it makes sense. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. Last one. What's your most embarrassing story in your career? It's our favorite Ooh. question. <laughs> most embarrassing story in my career. Um the one that's probably was just like the most mortifying where I like came out of it like just shaking <laughs> was we got into like a tech stars program in Norway <laughs> and we went to Norway and you know it's like just me and my co-founder and um there's this, this bunch of engineers at this like oil and gas company and I had to go in and like pitch to them essentially and they were so and like we were just so early as a company and the way that the room was even architected was like they were in like bleachers above me and I Ew. had to like sit down below and I was just like by myself and they were just grilling on like you know all the aspects of like mm-hmm. same same misconceptions mm-hmm. but at the time I was like so much more not used to talking about it all the time so I didn't have the confidence and like essentially it was like a full hour of just getting punched in the face oh, oh no. my gosh yeah and I just like I came out of it just like shaking <laughs> and like just red in the face and like that was mortifying, oh, right? No. <laughs> so that's probably- Yeah, you're probably just like, when is this gonna be over? Yeah, I'm just like, are time. they done yet? Are they done yet? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm tired of hearing I'm stupid. I know I'm stupid. I know this oh. is dumb. I know we should never do this, right? Oh like, gosh. <laughs> the fact that they were in bleachers makes it so Made it much so worse. Much worse. so much worse. Yeah. Like, if we were at like a round table like this, I think I would have been able to like hold my own and handle right. it. But the fact that they were in bleachers and just like, it was such an interesting lesson of like the dynamics of a space and how that can like really change how you feel about things. So I don't think it was like a glorious, like this is super embarrassing, but like looking back on it, I found it kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Because like looking back, I would have just stood up, right? right. I'm like, bring it. Yeah, yeah let's go. <laughs> let's go. But at the time I was like, I'm so scared. I have this idea and I don't know what to do. <laughs> so that's please so, help me. Help me. I know I'm really stupid. <laughs> like, God, so I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, it's like, yeah, it was super embarrassing at the time. And it's super embarrassing looking at it now because it's like, OK, I, I could have done a lot to mitigate those feelings. Mm-hmm. But whatever. You live and learn. <laughs> yeah. How long ago was that? Oh, that was probably three and a half years ago, maybe yeah. four years ago. Yeah. Oh, because I guess we didn't really talk about how long um, Crocs mm. has been around. Yeah, we have existed for five years. Love that. But <laughs> I caveat out the first two years real hard mm-hmm. because like when I started the company with my co-founder, I had never heard of startups. I'd never heard of venture capital. I'd never heard of Silicon Valley. I'd never heard of a sales pipeline or procurement. Mm-hmm. So it was like the learning curve was like the steepest thing of all time. And mm-hmm. I was like not getting paid. And right. so it was like two years of just sheer terror of like assuming this thing was going nowhere. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, and then we got into into an accelerator program, which completely changed the game oh, for I us. Love that. Yeah, and then it was like, okay, no, this is a thing. There's just a lot of things that I don't know, mm-hmm. but like this is something the industry needs. But you can learn it. <laughs> yeah. I can and learn you it. have. Yes. I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah. And sitting and getting absolutely berated by a bunch of engineers in a bleacher like helped me Build the confidence to be able to. Yeah, look where you are today. today. What yeah. doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Almost killed me though. I thought I was gonna vomit. <laughs> Here you are. <laughs> yeah, that one was like full on nausea. So. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. I'm that very sorry that you had to go through I that. I know. Me too. I'm just imagining myself in that position. I probably would have vomited during. Oh, I would have started crying. Uh, yeah, or I might oh, have started. I, I would have started crying. I might have did both. Honestly. I went to the bathroom and cried. I did yeah. after like it was like I went and I just bawled like <laughs> Dude, there's something worse like when you know your face is so red and yeah. it's just like and you can trying to calm yourself pulling. down mm-hmm. but it's like this is never going to end and they no. can totally tell that my face is so red. Yeah. Ugh, and they're I probably all feeling. sitting there like, is she going to cry? Is she going to cry? Is she yeah. going to cry? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're like, told you so. 
told you so. This is um, dumb. Like that's like. Oh this. my gosh. <laughs> so I hope the cringe has came out. Like everyone's just cringing. <laughs> so maybe not most uh. embarrassing moment. Maybe it's most like cringeworthy, most cringeworthy <laughs> moment. Oh yeah. I feel like a lot of them have been pretty cringeworthy too. Pretty mm-hmm. cringeworthy. Yeah, cringeworthy is like, you know, depends on your humor type, but it's typically fun. Yeah, <laughs> like a secondhand embarrassment I get for like other people. Yeah, oh, so you're, like, you're feeling it right now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. Uh, well, thank you so Yay. much for joining us today. I know you're heading back to San Francisco tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow afternoon after love meeting it. with a customer that we oh, love. Cool. So. <laughs> Good. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, and thanks for Tune in us. next time for another episode. Um, hit subscribe. Anyone wants to sponsor yes. this podcast or any of our podcasts, let us know. We'll catch you next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>